Take it away, Earl. <laughs> Earl. Hello, Paula. Hello, Padre. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. All right. You ready for this topic? Yes, I'm ready. Once upon a time, you and I, when we started We're Like the Lamb, tried to record something of a similar topic, and uh, we didn't make it very far. It was it was kind of a raw topic at the time. Yes, as um, you reminded me. I reminded you. Yep. Just because like and not I don't I don't mean it as a criticism oh, like, I when know. I remind you. Like the, just the good. reality was that it was it was kind of raw to talk about at the time because we were just getting this started. Um and and there was a lot going on and I think it's it's worth revisiting now in part because of this. All right. The topic is is race. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is a complicated topic. Mhm. Right? Uh, and as a complicated topic, it needs some some nuance and some care when, when we talk about it. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of times our culture does not really permit that kind of nuance and care. Mm. Right? It's true. So we get caught up in all this other stuff, um, a lot of sound bites and a lot of like really quick reactions and not a whole lot of listening and not a whole lot of paying attention. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe two weeks ago. I was sent a link to a survey and I was asked to participate and, and to respond to this survey uh, for somebody who's working on uh, a doctoral thesis in um, pastoral care, pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the survey was asking about how often I, as a priest, preach about racial justice issues. Interesting. I thought, I thought it was interesting. Okay, so how often? And so the answers that were given uh, were uh, every week. Okay. I thought that seemed like a bit much. Um, whenever the readings suggest it, which I thought was very suitable. Okay, Samaritans. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, or whenever uh, there's something going on in in the world that would suggest that this would be a good, an important topic to address because it's in the news, it's it's getting mm-hmm. a lot of publicity or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how I answered that question. Yeah. The next question was, um, why don't you preach about racial justice more often? Hmm. And I thought, well, first of all, if you're asking the question like, how often do you preach about it when it comes up in the in the readings, right. that suggests that it's it's actually something that is included in what the church envisions for how we're going to preach and, and the things that we're going to preach. The church doesn't tell us what to preach about, right. except that in when we look at the rubrics for what a, what a homily is supposed to be, mm-hmm. it should be expanding on the readings mm-hmm. and the readings that were proclaimed at mass. And so right. if the readings proclaimed at mass speak to uh, the immigrant, that. the orphan, the, yeah. you know, the broken, the foreigner, you know, the alien living among you, uh, if it, it deals with how Jesus treats those who are not of Israelite origin and everything, then there would be an open door for us to speak about Mm-hmm. about race and things like that. Yeah. Um, so insofar as it's included in, in the readings, that's when it would be most appropriate. Why don't you preach about it more? Well, because uh, first of all, if I was only preaching about race every single week, I think a lot of people would be annoyed mm-hmm. and turned off. Uh, but also it's not necessary, I don't think. Right. Then it said, well, because it's too political. I don't want to touch that political thing. Well, Maybe I could see that there's guys who, who think that it's it's an overly political issue, so let's not let's not get into it because that's that's maybe too dangerous of a territory or something. Yeah. Um, or then it said like other reason, and there was no space to fill in what your other reason might be. Yeah. It's just other. But I got to thinking about it because it was it was I, I hope that this survey is helpful to whoever it is that's writing this this thesis and helps them. Do you get know some, the person? I do, yeah. Oh, okay. I hope it gives them some insight into figuring out but I, I also couldn't really figure out what they were going for. Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's the end goal here? Um, 
because I think that first of all, if we're preaching the gospel, right? It's always got we, we got to go back. What's the purpose? We're 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 meant to preach the gospel. We're meant to, to introduce people to Jesus Christ, right? Right. And if we're if we're preaching His gospel, if we're actually talking about what Jesus teaches, mm -hmm. then quite naturally the theme of, of racial justice will come up mm -hmm. because Jesus comes to save all mm -hmm. because Jesus speaks to everyone, regardless of their country of origin or their, their race, regardless of their racial background, yeah. he speaks to all. Right. And so if we're preaching the gospel, then very naturally the subject of justice, whether it's racial justice, social justice, or some other justice is going to be present. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that every single homily needs to be about justice. Right. Because there are many things that Jesus also teaches us about that don't necessarily focus just on justice. This past weekend, for example, when we read the gospel and it was, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Mm -hmm. In a certain way, that's justice. Right. But it's not what we would normally consider like the work of justice. It's right. actually the big, the big challenge of going and telling somebody that they need to correct their action. Mm-hmm. Which in Which our current necessary. society, yeah, but in our current society, how does that feel normally? Oh, no, you're intolerant. Right. You're, you're being intolerant or you're being judgmental. Yeah. Right. So that's the opposite. It would seem to be the opposite of justice. Well, this is where I think if we speak in, in kind of worldly terms, and I started doing a little examination of conscience. Yeah. How does this make you feel doing this? Well, I, I, I read it and my, my first thought was, am I, am I not speaking about justice issues frequently mm -hmm. enough? Am I supposed to be doing more? Mm -hmm. But then I, like, I came back to that idea of the gospel. This is what needs to be proclaimed. And the other stuff should flow pretty naturally from it then. Mm -hmm. um, such that, and I might be wrong. You can tell me if, if you disagree with this, but if the gospel is presented in its fullness and with integrity, mm -hmm. then there's not a question about any form of, of justice, social justice, racial justice, economic justice, yeah. it should all make pretty logical sense and be pretty clear. Right. Like yeah. if I'm preaching the gospel pretty clearly and, and with, uh, with an authentic interpretation of, of what Jesus says, then it should be fairly easy for people to know that they ought to help the poor. <laughs> that they need to yeah. deal justly in their business transactions, that yeah. they need to, uh, they, they need to be mindful of, uh, of the unborn, the elderly, the, those who are, are suffering in various capacities and yeah. those who are otherwise outcast or discriminated against for some reason. Right. Right. Like it, it should be pretty obvious that racism is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't be like a thing that I have to say all that often, unless the community that I was in right. refused to believe it. Right. Like if there was some issue of racism that needed to be corrected, I would have a responsibility to speak out and correct it. Yeah. Hmm. So that was the, the first thing that I was thinking. But then I was also starting to think, well, and going back to when we first made the attempt at, at talking about this, mm -hmm. do you remember I, I had written like a note to the parish yes. about the issue of racism yes. and, and all this stuff as a lot of that was coming out, especially during COVID, mm -hmm. right? So I wrote this, this email and I, I look back on it now and I go, I don't think I would have chosen to use the same language mm. because what I did was I used a lot of the language that was being used in the, like the broader secular sphere. Yes. And so I, I drew on some of that because it was the language that was being spoken mm -hmm. most frequently. Mm -hmm. But looking back now, what I see is that by adopting that language, that language has even evolved since then. Yeah. 
And so by, I, I used that language, but it was, it, that was never enough right? in that sphere. Right. And we're kind of living in 1984, you know, 1984, like you speak. Never. And so like all these, like language is constantly changing and, and words are being given new, new meaning. Yeah. Right. So we have all kinds of words where the, the translation once meant this, but now it means something else. Or we're just abbreviating words like sus, you know, <laughs> and so we're saying things that don't make any sense at all. Um, but you know what I mean? Good. Right. That was, that was a good one. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing this thing with language where we are, we're creating, we're creating a, a false ideal yeah. uh, around certain things. And, and I think that in, in 2020, 2021, whenever all that, all that was some of the language, especially surrounding race was okay. Think about this, like your implicit bias, right? right? Well, guess what's happened. Everything now, is, is, is there's, there's constant criticism of everything. And it's always based on, well, you must be racist if you think this way. Right. It couldn't possibly be that there's another thing that you're thinking about. Basically. Your own projection. We've, of, yeah. And, it's, it's more complicated than it is just. And in a lot one, of those conversations, yeah. And a lot of those conversations, there's no more room for actually sharing or, or for talking. Right. And I realized that by adopting some of that like sort of the, the broader cultural references mm -hmm. actually get in the way of effectively preaching the gospel in its complexity mm. and in its real depth. Mm -hmm. And so I started to even think, even by saying preaching about racial justice, are we not adopting in a certain way, the wrong term? Mm. Like the question should always be, are we preaching the gospel? Yes. Are we introducing people to a living relationship with Jesus Christ who teaches us how we ought to live, who shows us the way to true justice, peace, harmony, who ch shows us how to right. love our neighbor as ourself, regardless of who they are, or where they come from. Right. Right. If we're preaching the gospel, then there's not a question of, am I preaching about racial justice or social justice? I'm, I'm telling you what Jesus tells us to do. Yeah. What do you think? Interesting. Does that make sense? Um, yes. The one thought that I had is, well, actually, no, because you, you already kind of said it. Like, there's a point where Jesus talks about, like, let's talk about race or ethnic between, like, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just, like, going to challenge the assumption that the Jews have of what Samaritans are like. Um, so he's challenging their own projection and their own misunderstanding of it. So, yeah, but there, there's spaces for that, mm -hmm. right? But Jesus wasn't always just simply talking about race and if, if, if it was nations, it was always about go out to all the nations, like this constant going forth to every single person. Hmm. And if we understand the Jewish law, yeah, then there's always a care for the alien in your midst. Yes. The foreigner. Yes. Right. There's always to, to be cared to, they are to be cared for. They are to be welcomed. You know, you are to like the wisdom is to welcome the stranger. Yeah. Right. And to care for their needs, mm -hmm. the poor, the outcast, whoever it is, I like the law calls for that. Yeah. I think in some way, like, yes, when you do, when you express the gospel authentically as it is, um, there, sometimes you do have to say things like to make it obvious. Yeah. Right. Like mm -hmm. there's that part because, you know, People are people. Well, 
Like, I, so I there's that, but it but it doesn't need to be like to your point. I agree with you. It doesn't like if you're authentically living it out virtuously in your life, right? And not so. I, this article that I read was really good. It was like virtue signaling versus living virtuously. Yeah. And I thought that was right. so good because it was like the virtue signaling person is like the Pharisees. Look at how well I did this. Check out my opinion. It's morally like uh, objectively true. And like everybody has to follow me. And then you get an entourage and a posse. But the gospel calls you to live virtuously. And so the way that you speak, the way that you act, the way that you relate to others, that is what Jesus is calling us to do. But when you're out there simply just kind of like talking, 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 but what action has taken place mm -hmm. right now? There is a space for talking that's necessary, but it shouldn't just be like discussions at the round table and then you don't do anything. Right. So this is, this is the thing that I, I started thinking about too, that, all right, there is a space for breaking down into, into more clear examinations. What are we talking about? Yes. You do this in, in, in class. Like remember, uh, my, epistemology class in philosophy. So epistemology mm -hmm. is the philosophy of thought. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking about thinking. <laughs> it's it's the most insane kind of class in the world, but you're, you're breaking like down. <laughs> yeah. You're breaking down, um, how the, how you're thinking and, and what the process of thought is and, and all the stuff that goes into it. So you really have to think about how you think now, of course, none of that is ever happening in the moment. Right. Right. This is like after the fact, I can analyze what I was thinking and, and how the processing was taking place. You are not in self. Yeah, exactly. As you were doing <laughs> yeah. this. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's kind of examining that space. This is how we think about it. This is how we, so you're, you're creating the concept and everything and, and understanding better what the thought process is. Fine. Yeah. That's all well and good. And sometimes we need to do that in order to understand how things, how things work. Yeah. So the, the same thing can be said, I think, for uh, the issue of racial justice as its own issue mm -hmm. in particular that ought to be addressed. Yeah. All right. So let's examine how and when it's preached about how and when it comes up in the life of the church, let's examine how, how that can best be addressed. So there's room, I think for, for talking about it a lot. Yeah. But where I noticed some of my own defenses kind of coming up was like, well, how often do you preach about racial justice? Well, no, I preach the gospel. And if there's something about race that needs to come up or there's an issue, right. Then, then we bring it up. Yeah. There's a thing like, I remember a few years ago, there's some, politician was saying that the Bible says that, um, it's okay to separate immigrant children from, from parents. Like, no, the Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> and it wasn't so much to make a, a, so a racial, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so much to make a racial comment or uh, make it like an immigrant issue comment. Right. It, was, it was to say that, um, no, the Bible doesn't actually say that. Right. Like <laughs> you can't make a claim like that. No, that's a theological claim. I got to tell you that your theology is bad. Yeah. Um, but I got criticism for saying that. Interesting. Really? Yeah. So like the defense of it was, well, but what if the children are being trafficked? Okay. You know? It's like, what if they're, what if they've been separated from their parents and the, the people who they're with are claiming to be their parents? I'm like, no, that's, that's fair. That's I can understand fair. needing to ascertain exactly who is with who and who belongs with who and how they got there. I'm, I'm okay with the idea of coming up with like properly identifying people and making sure that they that they are supposed to be with this person. Yeah. Um, but I'm not okay with saying that the, the Bible tells me that it's okay to remove a child from the parent's custody because the right. Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't. It just doesn't. And but that's when it gets a little bit more, 
not confusing, but like, how do you address it? Because then that turned into a political question. Right. And that, and that it's not just, it's not just a moral thing. It's now turned political. What side are you on? You have to pick a side. And this is also where we forget that there's such a thing as prudential judgment Mm -hmm. and that in certain situations, the only thing to do is make a prudential judgment about what to do. Right. And that there can be differing differences of opinion that are legitimate differences of opinion about what to do when the prudential judgment is different. Like if you decide that you think that money should be spent one way and I decide that it should be spent another way, Mm -hmm. we might both have good reasons to want to spend money that way. Yeah. Right. And we can both be morally justified in it. Yeah. I might think that you've prioritized incorrectly and Mm -hmm. you might think that I've prioritized incorrectly. And so we disagree. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that either of us is actually wrong. Hmm. Right. When it comes to finances and to how we, how we run the economy and things, there's, there's room for disagreement. Yeah. There's room for prudential judgments to be made. There are some things where there's, there's not room. Like we can't come out and say, you know what? Murder is good. Right. And we should legalize (laughs) murder. Right. Yeah. Like we can't, we can't say that. You can't. That's, Mm -hmm. that's contrary to the truth. That's contrary to the law in the same way. We can't come out and say, you know what? We should, we should support racism because it's a good thing to discriminate against people because of the color of their skin. No, we can't no, do, you that. Can't do that. We can never say something like that. That is, that is absolutely a false statement. Right. And yeah. it always has to be something like that always has to be condemned. Yeah. Um, but the same thing that would hold with immigration, like how do we allow people into our country? Yeah. There's room for prudential discussion and decision yep. and discernment. Yeah. And there's room for disagreement about how that should happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if if we can understand that there's that there's more than just one side or the other, sometimes those sides need to get a little bit more blurry. Yeah. Sometimes those lines need to be less stark. I mean, not for nothing, I think that the immigration system in our country is oh, it's awful. really terribly broken. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that it's broken is that we only see things as either you are mm-hmm. um, against having immigrants come or you are for immigrants mm-hmm. coming. And we won't look at some of the reasons that people come into the country illegally. And um, literally flee. Well, sometimes because they're fleeing, but also mm-hmm. sometimes because the, the path to legal immigration is so narrow. It's so for bureaucratic. Them when it could be yeah. streamlined. Mm-hmm. If we could fix that bureaucracy, maybe something would happen. Anyway, I'm not an expert on that, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't say right. too much. Yeah. But all this is to say, like, there's, there's the justice that the gospel calls for. Yes. Take care of people. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter where they're where they're from, what they look like. Just take care of them. Take care of them. Love them. Feed them. Clothe them. Yeah. Be Christ for them. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what the gospel demands of us. And so, to my mind, if I start talking about well, racial justice or social justice or this other kind of justice, whatever, whatever it might be, and I get so focused on that, I might actually start to distort the gospel yeah. in order to fit a particular agenda. So better to focus on the gospel. Right. And recognize where these themes come up because right. the theme of racial justice absolutely comes up. It definitely does. Right. So when you, now we know that there are very like particular churches who are very social justice-y. Mm-hmm. What is your reaction to that? Like when there is, it's, it's like a necessary thing. <sighs> Depend. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Like, I know, somebody made a comment of, "Okay, our kid." Uh, when I was a youth minister, you guys don't do enough service projects, right? Like mm-hmm. that was that was the thing that I would hear. 
But my first concern at that point was they can do service projects anytime and anywhere. And there's like so many opportunities here in Fairfield. What they don't know how to do is that they don't know how to pray. They don't, they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know how to pray. And that's first and foremost, my job is to invite them into that deep, intimate relationship with the Lord, thereby their life, God willing, will begin to emulate what a life in Christ is. And it is that service. Hmm. You know, it's, it's me going out and serving others is an organic response to the gospel that I received in my heart. Like when I have received that relationship with Christ in my heart, that I'm living it out, it moves me to action to go and love my neighbor as myself. Right. Um, but you cannot divorce the gospel um, from service, or I'm just here to do service, but not preach the name of Jesus. Yeah. Well, when, when it comes to community service, especially for, for yeah. young people, you're absolutely right we need to introduce them to Jesus. We need them to know that there's, that they have a relationship with God. It's not to say that service projects are bad, right? They're good. They're, they're fantastic. They're, they're definitely great. Um, we have talked many times about Catholic heart work camp and mm -hmm. <laughs> like the good that's done through Catholic heart and, and all of this other stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's not to take anything at all away from mm -hmm. the goodness of, of yes. what service can be. Yeah. Um, but it, it is maybe to say that there, there are some things that need, need more attention. Um, so first, let's say we, we want to introduce kids to a life with Christ. We mm -hmm. want to introduce them to the reason that they're going to serve. Mm -hmm. This is why we go out and do and do this this service, this this outreach to to the community. Mm -hmm. That can really help to then give them a different way of thinking. Yeah, because a lot of times you need the exposure, the experience. Yeah, it's necessary. I'm and, not saying it's not. It's and, definitely. But very often, what you also have is that for all of the different community service that's out there, mm -hmm. it all starts to look the same. Yeah. And so because they can serve in many different capacities in many different places, they can jump in on a service project that's not explicitly tied to their mm -hmm. faith, to their church. Right. So sometimes the danger can be that all service looks the same. Yes. And so it's necessary sometimes as a church to provide the service opportunity that is explicitly tied to their faith, right. like a Catholic heart work camp, right. or like even just like a Thanksgiving food drive. Mm -hmm. We're doing this as a community of believers because it's the right thing to do for our neighbor. Mm -hmm. And because it's what Jesus asks us to do in the gospel, right. to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, right. to visit the sick and the imprisoned. Mm -hmm. right? And if this is what is asked of us, then we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to do it. This is where we are going to participate in that. Right. When we can do something like that, we're really moving in a good direction. Mm -hmm. right? So it's balancing like the need to introduce people to Jesus with the need to show them what Jesus tells us to do. Yes. Sometimes service can be the thing that introduces them to Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Right? That can be like the, the vehicle for encounter. Yeah. Um, but sometimes we also have to prepare them for that right. by getting them something of the encounter first. Right. Like, <laughs> giving them the opportunity to have the encounter before they step into anything else. Right. It's not just one or the other, but it's a, it's both. Exactly. It's always been both. Um, and sometimes there's too much emphasis on, we got to do service. We got to do service. Yes. And there's, there's no corresponding emphasis or there's not a, at least an equal emphasis on prayer and the relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And that's usually what I find Yeah, is we're not really talking about Jesus. <laughs> it's a, then why are we doing this in the first place? Cause it doesn't make sense. Like it does in like a very, yeah, sure. Very secular understanding. Like I'm going there to serve my neighbor and like, that's that. But like, 
it's limiting. What you're pointing to is that when the emphasis is too much on the various justice issues, mm -hmm. social justice, economic justice, racial justice, whatever mm -hmm. it is, when the emphasis is on justice first, yeah, as opposed to the fullness of the gospel, which includes under its umbrella, right, the fullness of justice, mm -hmm. right? When we emphasize too much the justice piece, we're most likely to neglect then the relational mm. that justice doesn't exist on its own. All justice is from God, who is the supreme lawgiver and judge. Mm. It is God who is just, who mm -hmm. is justice itself. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if, if all justice flows from God, then we must know him. If we want to know the fullness of what justice looks like, if we yeah. want to know how we're supposed to act. Right. Mm -hmm. But if the focus is too much on that, the vocabulary of justice, especially the vocabulary used in the secular sphere, yeah. then most often we're going to start to distort what's really important. And we end up with people who have a what they believe is a strong commitment to justice, but no sense of the dignity of the human being created in the image and likeness of God that is the reason why right. we do this. Right. Ultimately, religion isn't about helping people. Like, you know, tell to everybody in the back. Yeah. Like, ultimately, <laughs> or to make you feel good. <laughs> ultimately, re religion is is all about like our, our religious faith and and what the Catholic faith teaches us is is not just about helping people. Mm -hmm. That's a logical consequence of what we believe and what God does for us. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, because I've been introduced to a living relationship with Jesus. Because I know the gospel, I know that I have to serve my brothers and sisters, yeah. whoever they might be, whatever they might look like. Yeah. I know that I can't discriminate against them. I know that I, I need to serve them as, as much as I can, and mm -hmm. according to my means, according to my ability. Um, mm -hmm. I need to be ready to, to be there for them. Yeah, all yeah. of that's true. But guess what, man? If I don't know Jesus, then I will. And Pope Francis talks about this all the time. That yeah. The church does not need to become another NGO. Oh, gosh, no. uh, the church does not need to become a social work agency. Right. The church needs to be a place that introduces people to the love of Jesus. Right. We do that sometimes through our works of mercy. Yeah. Um, and we do that by, by our service to them. Yes. Mm -hmm. But we also do that by telling them the truth, by teaching them, by introducing them to, to the Jesus who mm -hmm. loves them and who meets them regardless of their sin, of their different burdens and difficulties. Yeah. The other thought that I just had is, Okay. Sure, you don't talk about it every week, right? And if needed, you will say something. But then what about those who think about it all the time? Yeah. You know? Well, and this is where we're, we're going to find that some people are affected yeah. differently. Yeah. I'm a white guy. Mm -hmm. Look, man, racism doesn't really affect me. No, <laughs> you can say that. Okay? Like, yeah, I can I can say that and, yeah. I, and I mean it. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, like I'm a white guy living in a mostly white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I don't really have people like discriminating against me as a result of that. Right. So in, in a lot of ways, yeah, my life is, is easy. Mm -hmm. Um, at, at the same time, that doesn't mean that I, I don't know anything about racism. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I've never heard a racist word or comment or, or thought process or anything like that. Yeah. It just means I, that I'm, I'm in a different place. Right. You know? And I, I know for me, my own, I guess you, what they call it, like white passing, <laughs> it, to it, use the secular language. To use the secular language, <laughs> yes. In the, or like, and I talked about it with like some of my friends. Like a lot of them are black, a lot of them are Hispanic, and others Did you are say white. Hispanic. Did I say Hispanic? Hispanic, it's, it's Latinos, gender, gender Latinas. <laughs> um, 
so there's even, you know, there's different experiences at all different levels, right. you know, well, for some, it's a constant reminder from morning till night to others. It's like, oh, I notice it when, I don't know, I'm in a particular space that's mostly made up of other people. I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely stand out here. Um, but it's like, for, for me, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, but then close family members their experience of it is very different. Yeah. But I think going back to your other point is when the gospel is fully spoken about, when the church really exemplifies the gospel is that there is that space to like, to talk about it or to, you know, you know, one of the things that we talk about in the CP map I know we keep bringing up the certification. Oh, it's great because part of but... me, part of me also th going to. Oh, I'm sorry, I just cut you off. It's okay. Yeah. No, I was just. That's gonna what say, a podcast is for. I was going to say friends but... to interrupt each other. That's <laughs> really what podcasting is. It's just two people talking and interrupting talking each other the entire other. time. But it's also <laughs> I come in with my own experience of it that needs to align with what what is here, right? Well, so this is Th this is exactly why I want to bring up the CP map, right? Because. We come to everything with our own past experience. Always. I can't I can't separate my past experiences from what I'm experiencing right now. Right. I, I experience things, I understand them through the lens of that which I have experienced in the past. Right. Right? Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if that's the case, that I experience things through the lens of what I've experienced in the past, then if I've had negative experiences and I now come in kind of carrying the burden of that negative experience, yeah. but I come into this situation. What happens if I'm treated differently? Mm -hmm. Ah, maybe, just maybe, that can be a corrective experience. Right. That tells me that when I come in, when I step into this place, even though in the past my experience has been negative, here there's something that's that's actually happening. That's that's right. Mm -hmm. Like if nobody notices what color I am, or nobody makes a big deal out of what color I am. Yeah. Maybe that could be a corrective experience for somebody. So the person who's who's thinking about it all the time might come into a, a space and because they're simply received as they are, mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't have to be the thing that they think about all the time. Or maybe in this, yeah. this is one place where they can lower their guard enough, right? Yeah. Then again, part of the problem is that if you've been hurt, repeatedly repeatedly and whatever that hurt might right. be it's it could it could be down. a racial hurt mm -hmm. it could be a social hurt it could be it could mm -hmm. be a physical hurt yeah right if you've been if you've been hurt repeatedly um if you do start to lower your guard even somebody unintentionally doing something mm -hmm. is going to hurt that much more yeah right so for for the person who's coming in kind of constantly thinking about race because from from more of a, a perspective of they've been hurt Mm -hmm. or discriminated against yeah right then you want to be sensitive to them mm -hmm. right when somebody's coming at this from a place of anger or hatred you know yeah so more often than not there's some other deep wound that's underlying that also yeah you want to be sensitive to that um not to say that it's okay that you have this hatred that you're carrying in your heart no no, no, no. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> Please don't some, carry hatred in your heart just in case we're not clear. But also like certain anger is just and neutral and it's yeah. how you assign and what you do with that anger. Then. Right. 
some anger might be at mm -hmm. a person mm -hmm. and then that gets wrongly applied to anyone who remotely looks like them. Mm -hmm. It could be anger at men. Mm -hmm. It could mm -hmm. be anger at women. It could be anger at, at yeah. any, any or number of things. Or fear or, yeah. Right. All of, of those things, things are, are, are possible. Right. But this is where, again, like if we can start to have a, a more robust conversation to talk about those things, yes. I think it's really important. And unfortunately, if we just put things under certain categories, like this is it, this is it, this is it, like racial justice, social justice, economic justice. You don't, um, you're not going to get very far. Right. And if you look There's at, no room. if you look at the way that division grew up. Yeah you know, in these last couple of years mm -hmm. surrounding race, part of the reason that that division has been exacerbated is that people who aren't racist were being accused of being racist. And it was assumed. Right. So actually the very labeling that people were opposed to. Right. Was the labeling that was being perpetrated. Mm-hmm. There's always, <laughs> just learning this, in the last couple of weeks, let's say like I have a disagreement with like a family member or something. And like most of us, I will only see it from my point of view. And my point of view is the only one that's correct. And like to me, like, and, and then it takes a while, but it, it, there's such a quick, it's in that space where I'll respond really quickly yeah. and I react. Well, right? for the record, Paola, I've, I've known you for quite a while. Oh, right. And, and <laughs> your point of view and, and your opinion is usually the right one. Let's be honest. It's here. not. There's, there's good reason for you to think that way. Maybe I shouldn't have used the family member as an example because that one is already like a bad one. Okay. Um, or I, 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 get, I, I get what with you're anything, about. right? Any, yeah. Anything big, anything small. The, the first question is, well, honestly, sometimes like what I do is my the first reaction is like, well, how did this make me feel? And I will project, um, I will project hurt. I will project assumptions. Yeah. And uh, the thing about the program one is it's it's about challenging assumptions. Okay, where did that assumption come from? It comes from that wound. Mm -hmm. Why did you project it on the other person and then cause all this anxiety inside of yourself? Because I thought it'd be fun. <laughs> 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 it seems like a, a cool thing to do at the time. I don't know. Like here, I'm here for the adrenaline rush. Duh. Yeah. Um, and, but the goal is to have it aligned with reality. And then like, let's, you look at relationships. I hear from somebody else about something that they're struggling with. And I'm like, okay, um, I can be totally see it from this person's point of view, which is totally valid. Okay. It's like, I, I see what you're, you're seeing here. And I, I like, you know, I empathize with what you're feeling here. Um, but it takes, you know, two people to create a dynamic. So what else is going on over here? And so it's kind of this invitation to actually be really more self-reflective and self-aware of what's happening inside of me but also what's happening inside of the other person. Now I can never, we can never know what's happening inside of another person, but we do let our assumptions drive the boat um, into pinning them. You are this and you're on this side of the line and you're on that side of the line yeah. and that's all you're ever gonna be. But if the gospel, if Jesus invites us you know, to become all one, that all nations may become one, like it's a going back to relationship and to do that, you need conversation, um, you know, going back to what is to transcend all of those things and, and try to look at it with heaven's eyes and not in a sense, like I'm going to like put everything out of the rug and just avoid it. But like, 
how can I transcend my own assumption, my own misunderstanding or understanding, and try to really seek, um, seek to know and seek to build relationships, because that's where, that's where the Holy Spirit wants to wants to work. Um, so it just it it makes me think about this, like, and this isn't just with you know racial racial justice, but this is with a lot of things from like, yeah. you know, the smallest disagreement between a husband and wife. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the same thing when we talk about like, but that's just it. It's about an integrated humanity. Yeah. When, when we understand who we are, mm -hmm. like really and truly. Yeah. When we understand what the, what the fullness of our identity is creating the image and likeness of God. Yeah. That that's the identity shared by all people. Yeah then we can we can better address the issues as they come up right whether that's interpersonally like yeah this person who i know is is dealing with a problem or has hurt me in some way like mm -hmm. let's let's address it and i can understand maybe where you're coming from or there's yeah. a disagreement a point of whatever it is we can work on that or it could be that broader social issue mm -hmm. that's that's gaining publicity or that's that's in the news how do I understand that? How can I enter into that? It's all a symptom. It's it's kind of interesting. You kind of look at it and like, sure, it exists in this like one-on-one -on -one aspect, but it also does at this level. And it's crazy, but that's what sin does. Mm -hmm. It's not just like the big stuff. It's the little stuff. If I'm struggling with my own identity mm -hmm. as a beloved son of God. Yeah. If, if I don't know myself to be created in the image and likeness of God, to have an inherent dignity, it's going to be really hard for me to give that dignity to somebody else yes. or if my dignity has been offended by the behavior of another person. Right. It's going to be very hard for me to respect the dignity that is present and inherent in this other person. Yeah. Right. And so I need to have my own dignity restored. Yeah. I need to be, I need to be reminded of who I really am mm -hmm. in God's image and likeness so that I can then honor that dignity. You can slay in another the day. Person. I'm kidding. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. But then to understand that there's like there there are differences. There are things that are different about us. There are cultural differences. There are things. There's background differences and everything, and that we can honor those differences. Yeah, and like reverence them. Yeah. So like I I understand that you that you've been in this position. I understand that you that you come from this from this background. Mm -hmm. um, I want to love you, in that. Yeah. In the midst of that. Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I don't want you to feel like there's there's got to be this separation between us because we're we're different from each other because we don't right. look the same because we don't right. talk the same because right. we have a different background. Like, yeah, let's let's honor what's different. I mean, one of the the greatest gifts that I ever had um, was was living abroad while I was in seminary mm -hmm. and being surrounded by people who come from very very different cultural backgrounds mm -hmm. and learning from like face to face you know, communication with them and side by side with them in the classroom, yeah. like how to appreciate what was different about them mm -hmm. and how to appreciate the things that I really loved mm -hmm. and that I was grateful for, from my own background. And mm -hmm. then how to appreciate things that they brought that I never would have thought of before. Yeah. You know, like I came to appreciate certain things about different cultures um, and like the ease with which they could enter into a conversation with somebody. Yeah. Um, the joy that they carried um, mm. because like culturally this is this is simply part of the attitude mm -hmm. um the sense of like i i'm i'm here to talk to you let's let's become friends mm -hmm. like there's a sense of welcome in certain cultures that's much bigger than in in other cultures heck in, in the united states we see the difference right you know northeast 
Like, <laughs> hi, you're a person, you live here, but you live across the street from me for 20 years and I might never know your name. Mm -hmm. It's very easy. Um, other parts of the country, it's it's much more open. Gosh, I'm so guilty friendly, of this you know? only because, so my neighbor, she's from Ohio. She's really nice. Like, I mean, way more gregarious than I am when I come home and I'm like, dang, <laughs> I just don't, when I go home, I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. But like, but I felt, I, mean, I was thinking about her the other day, I was like, you know, we exchanged numbers months ago. Yeah. And I mean, like, we're talking like November, <laughs> last November. And like, well, yeah, we should hang out. I'm like, I. <laughs> yeah. But see, here's, here's the thing. Like, we can see? appreciate from different cultures some of the beautiful things that they bring. Oh, it was so. I was but like, then, I'll tell you what, man. She brought me cookies too. She's yeah. a baker. Listen. I feel so bad. <laughs> Living, living abroad, I came to appreciate certain things that Americans have contributed to the world. Right? <laughs> like air conditioning, daily showers, and deodorant. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Are an incredible gift that we as Americans don't nearly appreciate the way that we should. But I'll tell you what. If, so I got to stop complaining about how cold it is in my office no, and like, the fact that I have no, to wear gloves. I, I, that's not at all what I was trying to get at. That's, that's an issue that we need to fix. And I'm sorry for that. I that's, wear blankets in the summer and gloves. I'm really sorry. That's, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Okay, we have a, a nobody knows what to do. The whole system is like system. terrible. <laughs> but like, I can tell you from going into a classroom that was that where they wouldn't open the windows because they they thought it was too cold outside, even though it was a seventy five degree day. What? So the windows are closed. It's a packed classroom full of people who come from cultures where maybe showering daily or using deodorant is not necessarily part of their Stop everyday. Stop it in seminary. And so then you'd walk into this classroom after that class was leaving. And like the Americans, we learned we have to get there first so we can open the window and air out the room. Because no the room would smell so bad and would be so sweltering hot and oh disgusting that you gosh. couldn't get through class. That's crazy. And then like as Americans, we learned if there, if you're in a room that has windows, sit next to the windows so you control the windows. Oh so the God. Americans, we would just station ourselves as close to the windows as possible That's so that we crazy. could keep them open. Oh, wow. um, I always remember one of my, one of my friends who's a very, very large man um, sitting by the windows and having the window open and he was sweating because it was a very hot day. And this little Italian guy gets up and closes the window <gasps> and goes like, it's, it's cold. Makes like the, the international signal, like rubbing his arms oh, together. No. It's too cold. <laughs> And pretends he's shivering. I'm like, no, that's not good. No. And he just gets up and he reopens the window. Mm -hmm. The guy gets up again and closes him. <laughs> and then this, this giant of a man finally, after like three times of back and forth, opening and closing the yeah. windows, stands up to his full six foot five frame. Yeah. He's a big American compared to this. Very, like what, that's another thing I learned. Like Americans, we are just bigger than other people in general. Yeah. Like in wow. general, like, yeah, we, I'm not a very large person. Right. Right. By any standards here. Right. Like when I was in seminary, I was a giant compared to some of my European classmates. Fascinating. Just massive, just massive in comparison. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, and so he gets up full height, <laughs> walks slowly to the window, then turns, looks at the young man who had continually closed the window, points at him, and then wags his finger like, no, 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 no. <laughs> opens the window again and sits down and the guy didn't move after that <laughs> he's like leave it alone buddy and, and from then That's on so great because of that we americans controlled the windows 
And it was like, this was, this was the one thing that we could, that we could do. I need Father Brennan to corroborate the story of what a seminary life was like with all the other people. Yes. Well, so I don't, I don't know if, if by the time, so remember I was there uh, much, much longer before him. Yeah. You know, so he came, he came after me and I don't know if maybe the university got some air conditioning units or if they, if the culture So changed. none of the classrooms had air conditioning? No. Oh no, my no. goodness. And actually, honestly. Were you like, in a cassock all the time? No, no. But oh. like, you're still in black. Oh, yeah. You're still in your, in your clerics and you just walked two and a half miles to get to class. Oh, gross. You know? Yeah. So like you're, you're walking, you're moving. Oh, you're, so you're sweating. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. So like these, these are the kinds of things that like, but I came to appreciate a lot of other cultural values yeah. that were, that were really important. Which, which means to like me, siesta. Siesta, oh my goodness, <laughs> like what this, what this means to me is that like, I, I want to be able to appreciate people as they are for yeah. who they are. Yeah. Like, so at the very least, I, like, I feel like I have that desire. I want, I want to accept people mm -hmm. at face value, mm -hmm. regardless of where they're coming from, what they look like, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but it can hurt to be accused of racism. Right. Just because I'm a white guy. Right. Um, but there's, there's also that awareness, like, no, it's important to talk about these things sometimes. Yeah. So that, that survey, and we got to wrap up here, but that survey yeah. um, taught me, like, it was, a, it was a good reminder, actually, this is important stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just not convinced that using those kinds of titles for things is ultimately going to be very helpful. Mm. Especially because of the cultural context and nuance attached yeah. to it. But if we, if we take it like we do with an academic subject, like philosophy and yeah. epistemology and like the philosophy of thinking, right. right? And we're, right. we're trying to break down what's going on. Then it's a great subject to, to, right. to talk about that needs some attention. I mean, honestly, right? it's an invitation to read like the letter on social justice by the church, which is beautiful. Yeah. It is stunning. It's like before that I always had an issue with the word until I read it. And I was like, that just makes so much sense. Yeah, because what, I understand what is the it church now. actually teaching about social justice, but like exactly what Jesus teaches us. Exactly. But then what was what was, you know, taught to me was a little bit different. And then like mm -hmm. I grew like, Ugh, I don't really know about yeah. it. And then I read it. I was like, wait, this document is like it beautifully describes what it is and how to do it. And it That's it. Just read the document. Yeah. And then read the gospel. Right. And realize that the most important thing is that we know Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We live in a relationship with him. And we seek to bring that gospel into everything we do. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Paula. Yeah, thanks, Father.